A new year is a new chance to focus on you. You're probably already picturing yourself struggling at the gym, but not all self-help has to mean suffering. Squeeze.com is making it easier than ever to elevate your wellness by delivering a juice cleanse right to your doorstep. It's the easiest juice cleanse you'll ever do that may aid in weight loss, eliminating bloating, clearing your skin, boosting your energy levels, improving sleep, and breaking bad eating habits. Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at squeezed.com. This is Ramdas here and now. I'm Raghu Marcus. And before we get going with the proceedings, I just want to mention a couple of upcoming um, weekends that are happening at 1440 Multiversity, the beautiful retreat center near Santa Cruz. And of course, you know of them quite well. That we They've been with us for a while, helping support what we're doing at Be Here Now Network. And coming up is an old friend, Wa. And at the end of December, you'll be able to spend a weekend with her and really diving deep into the inner om. And, and that expression through kirtan is certainly one of our major paths that we uh, came back with from India, Krishnadas and all of us back in the day with Maharaji. And also, I saw something else that it's, to me, it's really special. It's around dream work. It's a weekend in January around dream work. And uh, for those of you who listen to my podcast, Mind Rolling, I just did something with my old buddy, David Silver, with uh, around uh, Carl Jung, mostly around his relationship, psychology and uh, Kundalini yoga. Really fascinating uh, talk that you can pick up on Mind Rolling on Be Here Now Network. And of course, he is so well known for dream work and Carl Jung. And so that's work that I've always loved myself to be using the dream scape to uh, just find out more about ourselves and dive deeper through the unconscious. And this uh, retreats with Toko Pot. Turner, and it's in uh, January. I think it starts around January 11th. But go to 1440.org and take a look. And otherwise, I did want to mention a wonderful store that we have uh, at ramdas.org, the ramdas.org shop. Not only, of course, does it have all of Ramdas's book books and other books. We just put Adia Shanti's wonderful book, Falling Into grace it's just fabulous did a great chat with him on mind rolling and but there's lots of other things spiritual aids like wonderful malas hand malas and 108 bead malas and we've got really developed a nice little clothing line of shirts and hats and there's a hat by the way it says sub ek in devangari which is the Hindi script, which means all one, which is the first thing Neem Karoli Baba said to us as soon as we sat down. You know, 
it's all one and he'd point his finger out. So we have this hat, all one. It says all one in English on the back. So there's some really cool gifts to think about for the Christmas season. So that's that. I wanted to make sure you all remembered us. It's a good way to support the foundation. Love, Serve, Remember Foundation. Everything that happens around Ramdas and Maharaji and all the teachers and the courses and everything we do is supported uh, only through uh, your support, everyone's support, to the foundation. So here's a talk, uh, and it's, it's some great stuff around relationships plus. I thought, you know, he talks about living impeccably in all planes of consciousness. Maybe we'll leave it to our guys to think of a great title, but it certainly starts out around relationships, which is very apropos because we just started when this podcast comes out here in September, a relationship, the yoga of relationships course, online course. Hopefully you signed up for it. Uh, but bottom line, uh, Ram Dass really has a, a great take in this talk about relationships can have intractable qualities in the mythic structure. Isn't that a, a mouthful? Uh uh, you'll have to, uh, he he does go into some detail. It's like, and it's talking about exploring the place where we are one. That's, you know, when we're in relationship. If that is a goal, that's a mighty, mighty, profound goal in a marriage, in a relationship. And um, actually anywhere, it doesn't have to be just love relationship. It can be a relationship uh, dance that happens uh, in a work uh, situation and any kind of collaboration. We explore the place where we are one so we can play and delight in the dance of two. Huh? Well said. Anyhow, he talks about it being a fierce path, of course, and uh, and which reminded me, Maharaji used to say to us, Mar- marriage brings greed, lust, attachment, etc and anger and uh so i I have of course a whole story where uh my first wife parvati who wrote this wonderful book love everyone and maharaji used to say to us every day for a while are you friends dost mitra those are the words for friends in hindi and we go yeah we're friends and he kept intimating something beyond just friends until one day, months, many months later, he said, so uh, when, when are you going to get married? I go, married? And she, uh, Parvati said, no, we're not getting married. And of course, he ended up marrying us. And in the process, he pulled me into the room and he said, before this happened, and he said, so she's a good woman, right? Does she feed you? Does she give you money? Yes, yes. I had run out of money and she, she still had some and she was so generous, she used to help me. And and he kept repeating, she's a good woman. So obviously uh, the karmic path was laid out before me. And the next day I went to him alone except for a translator and I said, you know, I don't get it. You say marriage brings greed, lust, attachment, anger. So why would anybody do it? I was basically saying, why are you doing this to me? (laughs) Listen, you have to remember I was 24 years old or something, maybe 25 by then. And 
he looked at me with a kind of curious look and he just said, it's your desire. And he looked away. And then I realized in that moment how he had just quickened something that was deep inside of me that needed to happen. And we ended up being together for quite some time, over 15 years, have two wonderful sons. So um, that's my little story about the fierce path and everybody who's out there, you've all had some kind of relationship. Uh, I think you'll, you'll acknowledge it. It, it is a fierce path, but, um, I, you know, but if we go for the brass ring, explore the place where we are one so we can play and delight in the dance of two. Uh, and he talks about looking at our relationship and noticing the point that, uh, you go, okay, wait, I have too much to lose, to let go into the one. And we've all been there protecting our, uh, our image of who we think we are and what uh, we are giving up, quote-unquote. Uh, then Ramdas gets into uh, talking about the practice that we would do to work towards that place where we are one, and if we are both practicing, or whoever the relationship is, it could be more than two, uh, all of us, then... Uh, you start to rest in a in a much more quiet place in a in a place where we do feel that oneness but then as soon as we open up uh we come back down to ground we have a rapid descent back into duality and we've everybody we've all experienced that and we've experienced that through whoever of us has taken psychedelics uh, that's a very common thing. It's why Ramdas went to India in the first place because he kept coming down and he wanted, uh, he wanted to see that the things that he experienced uh, could happen just in day to day life, and he would not come down. And of course, that's when he met Neem Karoli Baba, and he eventually found that wanting to be free and not high was a huge step for him. And uh, that is a huge step for all of us and not an easy one because when we have these inner experiences, it is easy to get attached to them and, uh, and we do and then we let go. Um, here's a good one. The only reason your lows were freaking you is because you thought you were losing it in your low, but you have been low and high enough times You've been low and high enough times so that you can so you can see that when you get high, you come down. And when you get low, you go up. It's called impermanence, which is such a powerful teaching. And that's why we love our Buddhist friends that join us at these retreats and, uh, and, in, and in the on- online courses that we do. So... Um, I don't think I need to spill any more beans on this. This is a, uh, again, Ramdas at his, his impeccable self. He, call, he talks about living impeccably across all planes of consciousness, right? If only. But we do. We, we aspire. We do the best we can on a day-to-day basis. And doing the practice, of course, is... 
so, so very, very important. That sounds like a school teacher or something. A bunch of bullshit, but yeah, it's true. <laughs> okay. In my own life, I know it. Uh, thank God for the Hanuman Chalisa. That's all I got to say. So here we go. Ramdas around relationships and living impeccably. And uh, this is Ramdas here and now on Be Here Now Network. Go to beherenownetwork.com and just, ex- you know, just exuriate in the, is that a word? Have a lot of fun with all the different podcasters and teachers that are now assembled on this network, <laughs> okay? See you next week. Look at your relationships and look at how many of them have kind of intractable qualities in the mythic structures. I do weddings. I don't do them legally. I'm not a legal marrier. I'm an under-the-counter marrier. People got to go see the real people to get real weddings. Marrying somebody is interesting, especially for me, a bachelor. And I thought, what, do I, what am I doing this kind of thing for? This is really off the wall. Because if you're going to do a ritual, you invest it with living spirit. I mean, you can't expect the ritual to have the spirit unless you bring it. It comes from the human hearts involved. And the more I kind of reflected on, on marriage, it seemed to be that the vow was saying, you and I will come together in order to use our relationship of two relationship as a ship to explore the place where we are one to start to rest in the place where we are one so that we can play and delight in the dance of being two. If you can hear that circle. We use the two to become the one to dance as two. But it's a fierce, fierce path. See, it was easy for me and Jean to get into that space because Jean has nothing to lose. But look at your relationships and notice at which point you figure you've got too much to lose to let go into the one. I have sat in relationships even this year and watched with horror that what I wanted I couldn't have because what I wanted was getting in the way of it. 
that my desires with regard to relationship were getting in the way of my sharing awareness with another human being, which was going to be the ultimate intimacy. My yearning for intimacy was making me grab for intimacy relationally and it was destroying exactly the thing I wanted because the minute you want something, another person at the subtle level that cats work and babies work and so on recognizes that somebody wants something from you and there is the tiniest vibration of paranoia in the situation. And there's that little bit of uh, or uh, or let me give it to you which is another one. <laughs> and I could see, and my partner could see, we could both see the veils that we couldn't let go of to share the awareness and the horror of sitting there not wanting to let go and not having quite the trust or the ah. Or not giving up what you thought you wanted all those years. It's so exquisite. It's what I call horrible beauty. It's ghastly and incredibly beautiful to see your karmic predicament. Because when you notice those moments when you won't let go into the one because you're afraid you're going to lose your space or your control or your mastery or whatever you want to call it, you are seeing your karma in action at that moment. You're just seeing yourself writ large. You're just seeing it all mirrored. It's exquisite. What more could you ask than that? To see your own hang-ups, to see your secret stash of who you're busy thinking you are and what you think you need. It's like those animals at a certain level of, um, I don't know whether it's porcupines or raccoons or something, at a certain level on the Darwinian evolutionary scale, the animal gets so that if you have them at a spot with a, a glass wall, a, a curved glass wall around there, and you put the food on the other side of the glass wall, the animal will come up and hit its nose against the glass. And at, below that level on the evolutionary cycle, it'll just keep hitting its nose on the glass and maybe go away a little and come back and hit its nose in the glass and it would starve to death. At a certain plane, I don't know whether it's, as I say, raccoons or where it is, the animal will look, guinea pig maybe, and then will keep looking and looking and finally go away from the food in order to get the food. Go back and go around the glass to get the food. Has enough of a gestalt, enough of a perceptual totality to see how it is. And when I look at my relationships, how often they are that animal on the lower evolutionary track, starving to death with my nose pressing against that glass. Because I just won't let go of the sight of that food to, to, to satisfy my hunger. Bizarre, isn't it? I mean, this has nothing to do with you. You, you never get caught in that, but this is my problem. I mean, I, I get caught in it.
you can sit down in meditation and you can quiet your mind until pretty soon all the thought forms that define the nature of the structure of what you call your ego start to loosen. They start to get a little crumbly or loose, so they're passing like clouds, and you begin to rest in quietness. But the minute you open your eyes, or tune, or come out of your, get off your zafu, it all reasserts itself so quickly. I mean, how many of you, I know me, have been in spaces where I say, oh, I see it all. It's all one. We are all one. I'll never forget this. I'll be like this forever. And a few days later, I'm saying, do you know how I was the other day? I saw it all as one. And finally, those ups and downs and those highs and lows and going up and coming down, that becomes the, the play in the fields of the Lord. That becomes the dance of it. And you begin to stand one step behind that where you're watching, oh, there's a high, ah, oh, there's a low. Ah, there's the guy watching the highs and lows. Never been in a depression like this in years. I think I'll be depressed. I'll never get out of this depression. This one has gone too far. It's just, yeah. But you see the predicament, if you even say you're depressed, you're already out of it. I mean, who's to say you're depressed? The depressed? I'm depressed is already a statement about the depression. You can cling to that. It's often like a little thread in the door of light. It's just a a whisper of some of us are holding on by like nothing, you know? Like one little whisper of a thread. We're out there in lust or depression or economic fears or whatever. Ah, you know, and like and there's one little thread that says, far out, isn't it? You know? At first in the spiritual journey, you want to uh, keep souping up the feeling that you're at home in the spirit. That's what Ramakrishna talks about is the little tree and you put a fence around it so that nobody will step on it. So you hang out in ashrams or in churches or you read holy books or you have holy pictures or you make pilgrimages or you recite mantras, you do things to keep yourself connected. And then you make forays out in the world and rush back. See? And you say it was ghastly. Yeah. They're all so worldly. But then you notice that you get so high in the cave that light's pouring out of your head and you know stones are jumping and you're hopping around and all that. And then you come out and, with, and you're so vulnerable. Oh. Because all of, as, uh, as it's said spiritually, 
All of the attachments you had were just sitting there as uncooked seeds waiting to sprout again. They were waiting for the first object to go by that made you go, ah, or... Because any attachment or aversion, any pushing or pulling, is just the clinging mind that was waiting there to cling again. All those little pseudopods waiting to grab something. Those little clingy things on the end of the pseudopod reach out. So then you start to go to the place where you go down and then you rush back to your guru's blanket and you climb under the blanket. You look out and then you come out a little bit and then you rush back under the blanket. Till finally you see that myth. And you begin to realize that what you really want is to be free, not to be high. And that's a big leap. That's a very big leap. We all know how to get high in this room. But it's different than freedom. And the minute that becomes a conscious distinction in our minds, it starts to select the way in which we use experiences and even what experiences we move towards. And things that were irrelevant before suddenly become relevant. And it turns out that your downs or what brings you down or your lows become as interesting as grist for the mill, as stuff, as all the rest of it is. And so why would you go somewhere else to get it? You've got a full, full pot of it right in front of you. Your depression, whatever it is. The only reason your lows were freaking you was because you thought you were losing it in your low. But after you've been low and high enough times, you see that when you get high, you come down. When you get down, you go up. You notice that by now? How many lows did you have? You said, I'll never get out of this one, but here you are. No, I'm still depressed. That's okay. I hear you in there. You hear me. What are we going to do now? I'll be depressed. Okay, if you'd like to be depressed, be depressed. Plenty of space for everything. You get to the point where you start to, what's called, go into the fire. You actually get so that you're saying to Kali, or Satan, or whatever it is, come on, bring it on, baby. I mean, you don't have that much chutzpah, usually. You don't, only later do you ask for it. At first, you just take it. You don't push it away. Later, you really want to, I'm going to eat it all. You know? Come on, bring on the cancer. Come on, come on. What do you got today? The neutron bomb? Come on, come on. I want it. Pollution? Come on, the end of the world? Wow. Oh! You want Shiva? Do you want, you know, Vishnu? You've got to have it all. God has many faces. You know, what are you going to push away? Want another incarnation? We'll get you next time. You don't want it this time? Go to the country. It's okay. We'll wait. There's no rush. You see, as far as long as you're pushing anything away, you got it. You're stuck with forms. You'll keep creating them over and over again out of aversion or attraction. I, was, I remember uh, visiting... Um, 
uh, death row at San Quentin to lead a meditation, which is interesting because it's a dying center, but everybody's healthy. And, um, and it was the cells were interesting because out of all the cells, only about four of them were busy typing petitions. All the rest had Buddha and Christ and Bibles and things like that, mandalas on the wall. And we got so high meditating, we were sending blessings out to the universe from death row. Can you imagine that? But they said to me, well, how do you see our predicament? I mean, you know, you're a spiritual person that came in. I said, well, you know, we're all so high here. Look at, we're all, here's the superintendent, and he's sitting on the floor behind me. I'm sitting cross-legged. All these guys are in their cells with mirrors in their cells so they can see me. We're all sitting there, stoned out of our minds, on death row. And at that moment, nobody's busy dying or anything. I mean, there's no death row anymore. Which is some souls that happen to meet, which is the vehicle for our meeting happened to be a visit of death row, this life. Remember I met you in death row that life? Wow, far out. Yeah. It was that space. I said, well, you see your predicament that you can get very high. This is what's called a situational high. I mean, death row is a good vehicle to get you high. It really pushes the buttons because it brings you right to the edge. You've got nothing to lose. If the Supreme Court brings down a decision that you're all off death row, you'll go on main line and pretty soon you'll just be like the next block. And if you open the door to the block, you're... Everybody's got pictures of sex and motorcycle and chains and they're screaming at you. Hi, rammed ass. And you walk into death row and everybody's saying, thank you for coming, Rhonda. Far out. I mean, these are the guys that killed people. I said, see, the predicament is that you're in a situational high, and if you get off death row, you'll, it'll all, you'll go to sleep very quickly. I mean, people that are dying, they've got Hodgkin's disease, and they're getting worse and worse, and they're getting more and more open like flowers, and then the medicine starts to work, and they start to get healed, and they get closed and closed until they're right back busy being somebody again. It's far out to sit and see that happen because what are you going to do? You say people should die? And it's absurd. You wouldn't put people in these situations, but you see that these situations of incredible suffering and fear do awaken people and do bring spiritual qualities out in them that you don't see in them most of the rest of the time. I said, you could stay high, you guys stay high right into the cyanide chamber doing, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a miserable sinner, and just, or Ram, 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 or whatever you do. You go in, and as the cyanide hits, you will go through the, what you could say, the story of your life, or all the images flash before your eyes, or whatever, as your brain starts to fire, or whatever plane it is, and whatever in you still is pushing or pulling anything at all is going to grab at that moment. And that is the moment of truth in terms of what your incarnation was about. And so if you've killed somebody, which most of you probably have to be in this death row, and you haven't got it straight in your being with that person and asked their forgiveness and done whatever you've got to do about it, 
so that you can bring consciousness to that relationship and all the others where you've screwed people and given them bad deals or left stuff undone, unless you are really clear so you can look at anybody in the eye at any time and just be, at the moment of death, the moment of truth comes. And you can be as high as you want. The seeds are just waiting. So you better get on with it and use your time in death row. Well, it's the same for us. It's interesting, the Easterners so much focus on the moment of death, but we don't tend to do that. And it isn't that the moment of death is a better moment than any other moment. Every moment is the moment of death and the moment of birth. This moment is the sum of everything up to now. We were doing a retreat in Yucca Valley, and we, it was a dying retreat. Maybe 20% of the people had various illnesses. And we had gotten into the space of, there were doctors and nurses and people with oxygen tanks and the whole scene. And we had gotten into an incredibly clear, beautiful, loving space, and we were all loving and talking about death and floating and all that, and there was an earthquake. And the building trembled, and everybody went, ah! <laughs> And Stephen, who was lecturing, he was beautiful. He said, well, gotcha. Yeah. Shows the moment. Shows where your stash is. Yeah. No! Not that. Yeah, that. And that. And that. What we are talking about these evenings is how you live in the middle of the fire and how you live impeccably across planes of consciousness so that you are God with God, you are soul with soul, you are astral identity with astral identity, you are psychological identity with psychological identity, you are physical identity with physical identity. You push nothing away, you grab at nothing. You don't get high, you don't get low. There are highs and lows. You don't come and you don't go. There is coming and there is going. There are achievements, there are disappointments, there's depression. There's divorces and there's marriages, there's births and there's deaths, and here we are. And yet every mythic part of it is played impeccably and beautifully. Not played in the sense of nothing or trivial. Played in the sense of precious and exquisite. Played with full involvement, but without a clinging mind. If you can be fully here, just here, not standing back in your mind thinking about this, but being here, then as you walk out on the street, you are fully on the street. You are not holding on to what happened in here. You can watch the lag in your own consciousness as you keep holding on to moments. I had all these um, 
boxes of memorabilia that I collected. I don't know whether you collected this. The things you put in the attic or in the back of the garage, they're old love letters. They were the important papers of the psychedelic era of the 60s. They were my bar mitzvah certificate. It said I was a man. They were all a kind of certifications and legitimacies that I've had. And they kept collecting in boxes over the years. And every time I moved, because I'm a wanderer, you know, wandering sadhus in India have a begging bowl and a blanket, and I've got a begging bowl, a blanket, and eight boxes. <laughs> and I've got to call UPS to move the boxes everywhere I go. You know, it's a hell of a wandering sadhu roll. <clears throat> and I never open the boxes. I just keep adding stuff into the next box and then sealing it up. And I thought about what are these boxes about? Well, they're full of precious memories. Old, you know, pictures that I would never see again. There was only one copy of. And I began to see that what they were, were they were protection against the moment when I would... I noticed I never had time to open the boxes because life was so full in the moment. But apparently I anticipated arriving at the time when I would run out. And then wouldn't it be great to have these boxes? See, I could say, you remember when... Look, oh... See? And then I thought, well, why, if it is getting better and better every minute, I mean, I notice that more and more I can be sitting now in a railway station in India and the train is two days late. And I am sitting there with dysentery and on the floor in the station with nowhere to go and it's hot and there's flies and the tea is, tastes terrible. And, and it's enough. It's enough. I mean, this is bizarre. A middle-class toilet-trained Jew from Boston, and I'm sitting in this scene, and it's enough. My mother never told me that, I'll tell you. And I'm beginning to notice, and these are all beginnings. That's why I use the word beginning so much. I'm beginning to notice that even though I expected it wouldn't be enough, it is. So why would I assume that I'm going to need these boxes? So I decided to get rid of the boxes. And it turned out a fellow wanted to do a movie that day. And he was looking, I was leaving town the next day, and he needed a topic for the movie. And I said, well, I'm not doing anything. I'm just packing and leaving, and I'm burning some stuff. He says, you're burning some stuff? Can I take a movie of that? I said, sure. So I'd say, well, here goes this old letter from Aldous Huxley into the fire. And he'd be move, taking the movie. And here goes this old love letter. Oh, God. At first, this went over two days. You see, in the first day, I was very cute about it all. But the movie shows by the second day it was getting to me. I was beginning to see that I was really letting go of that stuff. As Don Juan says, you let go of your personal history. I was literally letting go of my personal history. Now it's all on film. The only difference is it's his film, not mine. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by the Love Serve Remember Foundation 
and ramdas.org. We appreciate you listening and we appreciate all the support that you've given us. Please continue that support and donate at ramdas.org. We can then continue to share what Ramdas has been sharing for all of these years. Thank you.